on the rave. Hello, ladies and gentlemen of the internet. My name is Gav. I'm still Addy. And you're tuned in to the On, on the, the Rave podcast. Addy, how's it going? I'm excited, Gav. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an exciting time, isn't it's it? It's super exciting. Yeah, super it's a exciting. super exciting time. We've got another one of those famous guests on, ladies and more, gentlemen. More famous than normal. More less fa- famous than us. Yes, exactly. Well, less, less famous, famous than, than me. Yeah, less famous than Addy. Officially. <laughs> According to Bangface in any case. But... What we will do, we will endeavour to start the podcast the way we always start the podcast. What's that with? That is with a bit of Raver's Choice. Who has won this week? Well, we've scoured all of the social medias. It's nice that people have started responding on Twitter and Instagram. It's wonderful. We are looking at all of the sources. But again, this week, the best tune was picked on Facebook. Uh, the tune that we've picked to start the podcast was selected by John Howe. John, well done. Congratulations. What a blinding tune. Yeah, perfect to start off today's episode. And this is Manix. Feel, Feel real, real good.
And that was Waver's Choice. That was Feel Real Good by the Manics. And as we said, yes. selected on Facebook. And that is also on Reinforced Records, Kevin. Yeah, that we've got was selected on Facebook by Mr. John Howe. John, thank you very much for contributing. It has been quite a momentous time recently for the On The Rave podcast. Was getting on iTunes and that. Ah, exactly. Uh, we've proper strived to get available of uh, not to make that uh, th- 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 put me teeth back in we've strived to make it so that we're available on all the po- all, all of the oh. different platforms that we can um and after quite a fight and tussle we've managed to get ourselves on a spotify and all we had to do was not be quite so sweary well this is it so spotify and itunes uh have accepted us so you can go on the rave on spotify mm-hmm. and on itunes mm-hmm. And, and all the other platforms as, as well. Yeah, course. you can. Every 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 other platform. Um, and what we said we'd do is we'd read out a couple of the reviews that people left us just to say thank you to everyone. So, Ali, you've got a review from iTunes. Yeah, from Mr. Benjamin Hell. It's, he says, it's a fantastic podcast concentrating mainly on DJs from the northeast of England as well as legends like DJ Slipmat. It's a bit like Desert Island Discs or Ravers, which is exactly what we wanted, really. It's what's written in the bio. It is, it is. It's exactly what it says in the bio. As they choose tunes that have influenced them through their lives. Great banter, amazing tunes. Yeah, thank, thank you very, you very much. much. Benny yeah. Hell. Yeah, really, really appreciate anyone who's up there. And I've got another review here. Longtime listener to the podcast, Mr. Tony Tedlass says, Great podcast. Lots of variety in track selection by guests. Interesting to hear what influenced various DJs in their productions and texts. Top marks. Thank you very much to anyone who's got on there. If you get yourself on to Spotify, to iTunes, to YouTube, to Podbean and any of them, leave a review. on uh, iTunes because yep. it really helps with the analytics. It really, really does. In the first week, we have moved successfully up to the 62nd most popular iTunes podcast in the UK. We would like to climb that ladder a little bit further and we the only are, way we can is with reviews we are also officially the uh the number one rave podcast in biker yes it's, it's, this is true yeah this is true, true apparently, story. apparently no one else in biker is doing the sort of uh, content that we're doing so you know it's all nice and uh this is the moment where we're going to remind everyone where you can catch us. So you can catch us on Facebook Ooh. at On The Rave. On you can rave. catch us at Twitter at On, on the, rave. the Rave. You can catch us on Instagram, On The Rave with Addy Addy and Gav. Gav. That's Addy's favourite. There's always photos on There's always, always photos Spamming for Instagram. the shit out of you with my old record. <laughs> you can catch us by searching on Spotify or on iTunes for On The Rave, all in capital letters. Press subscribe, press follow and leave Even a five-star review. review. And a little comment. Yep. See how lush we are, because we're proper lush. And you could feature in the opening segment of one of the next podcasts. We'll give you like a mid-shout-out in that. Yeah, kind of like the ones we've just done there for Mr. Benny Hill and Mr. Tony the Tiddler Um which is all proper cush and really, really, really nice and enjoyable. Addy, guess what? What's that going We've got another one of those guests on the show. They've managed to find us here via the internet. Via the internet this time yet again. Uh, we're joined by another legend in the music scene. A man who, we've, man who we've known for a long time. And we've been desperate to get on the show. Highly requested member. But we're currently on Skype with Mr. Mark Archer. Mark, how's it going? How are you doing? It, it sounds like, how are you? We're good. Excited. Excited like a raver with a pocket full of pingers. Oh, we're ready for this. <laughs> Absolutely ready for this. Uh, Mark, you've been one of the most requested people we've had on the show. We've posted to try and get spoilers, put the teasers out, and people guessed immediately that we're done. <laughs> we, 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 haven't, we haven't been shy about seeing who our favourite guests, who we wanted to get on. Oh, nice one. Wicked. Yeah. 
Um, and what we'll do, we'll, normally we get people to introduce themselves. So do you want to say a little bit about what you do in the world of music for those who are uninitiated? I'm, I'm one of them really old fellas who's been doing stuff for <laughs> just over 30 years now. Um, started in 88 and went through right through Acid House, uh, the whole rave thing. Um, went on to do to run a few labels and do some techno stuff, some house stuff and DJ a lot. And it's it's all kind of come back round again with uh, my wife taking over my bookings and it's it's still going, which is brilliant. Yeah, you're still regularly on the scene. Your name pops up at the top of flyers all over the place. All over the world. Yeah. Yeah, you're, is, you're one of those worldwiders, aren't you? It's, it is it is nice. I mean, you know, when I first started, I wasn't expecting it to even last a year. So to be still <laughs> doing it, you know, 31 years on, it's it's a bit mad. To, to be fair, that's exactly the same with the podcast. We started with the ambition of speaking to a couple of mates and having a podcast. 21 episodes later, we're still oh, going. Yeah. Right, so, <laughs> nice next one. year's worth of content. <laughs> Brilliant. Cool. Well, um, what we'll do, uh, we'll, we'll do what we always do on the On The Wave podcast and we'll roll straight into section one, which is Damn. where we talk about your early influences in music. So when you were growing up, who were your early influences? What was going on? Um... Well, the, the the radio was always on. Yeah. Um, at the house, my my mom and dad were both into music. Um, I'm to be honest, my dad was into like, you know, anything that came out. He wasn't one of these dads who just plays like loads of '60s stuff right. and and sticks at it. You know, it was like anything that was new. Um, didn't leave classical stations on or nothing like that. <laughs> it's just all you know. Ra radio two was on, on all the time. Um, and so, so I just listened to, to kind of everything really. And then, um, if they had people around, they'd be playing like their record collections. Um, he was well into the Detroit spinners and, and Barry White and stuff. And my mom had a penchant for, for Johnny Mathis swore, swore she could turn him. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> have ambitions in music, even the small ones like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know whether turning Johnny Mathis is a small ambition. <laughs> Get in. So, besides having the radio on, like, what what other stuff was being played in the house? Um, well, we, my dad was in a he was in a local band. They played like jazz clubs and stuff like that, um, comedy oh, cool. clubs. Um, and he was he was the vocalist and conga player, and a family friend who lived across the road was the drummer. Um, I mean, he, he gave me and my brother a little record player as well as some bongos and snare drums and stuff like that. Nice. Um, so we used to play like this this collection of records that he gave us. Um, I think one was called Let There Be Drums by The Ventures, which was a, a bit of a like a 60s thing. But because we'd, we'd listen to everything, you didn't like, oh, I don't like that. We just played play it to death you know he's on all the time until i jumped up and down on, him, on my bed and smashed most of the records but it's what kids oh. doing it oh dear yeah uh, so, so you got told what the music was but not quite how to respect the vinyl and stuff like that when uh, you no yeah it was i mean some so most of the ones that broke were were baker light ones <laughs> they are apparently notoriously um brittle fragile yeah yeah so. yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I can get that. I mean, it sounds like a much better introdu introduction to music than what we both had. No, definitely. <laughs> so, 
um, of, of all of the music that you were listening to at that time, is there any one track or one artist who particularly stands out for any reason? Um, well, the, I mean, this was this was towards like the end of the um, the seventies, right? When when I kind of like started to like one kind of thing more than another. I didn't realise later on that I I was drawn to the the, the more dancey side of yeah. stuff. Probably not until like um, when I got into electro and the breakdancing thing. But um, there was this one track by Chic called "Everybody Dance" that it was just. My brother used to sing along to it, even though he liked Jean Michel Jarre and weird stuff. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, but that that one, it was just that one really stuck out. Um, I mean, there was another one which was produced by Sheik, which I only found out later. Um, I, uh, we are Spacer by Sheila B and Devotion. So it was, it was quite weird that I liked two Sheik records, um, but but yeah, the the Sheik one. Yeah, cool. Well, I see no better reason yeah, than to play some Sheik. On. Yeah, we've uh, we've never played Sheik on the podcast before, and we're known for playing everything. So, um, for the early influences track for Mr. Mark Archer, this is Everybody Dance by Sheik.
That is, that's a bit of a classic. Don't mind a bit of uh, 70s, 70s, not is that 70s, Mark? Yeah, it is 70s, yeah. Like yeah, 70s. that was uh, Everybody Dance by Chic, uh, which was on Atlantic Records. Um, big label, especially at that time as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, section two of the podcast is the section where we sit and discuss the music you discovered when you were finding your own feet. So maybe after your parents' early influence of the radio and uh, being handed bongos and decks by the guy over the road. What sort of music did you search out for yourself? Um, well, he was, he was still listening to to the radio, but I noticed um, a tune called Our Friends Electric by Gary Newman. Yeah. And yes. I'd, I'd not got into buying records at that point. And, you know, I was just happy with listening to them on, on the radio and and not doing anything about it really you know you'd hear it on rotation for a bit and then it'd disappear yeah yeah but um, one of these ones that was recording on your cassettes yeah yeah um <laughs> oh, with the, the, the little binder tone thing with the putting it on pause for ages yeah but, um i i plucked I, well i wanted to get our friends electric but completely bottled it because of the whole record store experience where you know it's really intimidating when you go in when you're a little kid um you know we obviously got used to it years later but just going in and, and all these people stood by the the counter and yeah. you know knowing what they're asking for and you know knowing that, that they've got a bit of a rapport with the people in the shop and stuff so i completely bottled it first time round. oh never totally kicked myself <clears throat> and then when the follow-up cars came out yeah plucked up courage again went in the record store, went up and bought it. So that was that was the first actual record that I bought, and I've, I've still got it uh, yeah. now. Did you I buy even, your own money or pocket money? Yeah, with, with pocket money. Um, and I've still got it, and I, I played it at a festival a few years back, and it absolutely bombed. But, you know, oh, that's, dear. Yeah, well, just that's, like people weren't into the tune, or did your, is your copy just a little bit worn? I think slamming it in the middle of a rave set was just not a good idea. <laughs> but um, because I bought that um, and, you know, the, the going up to the counter wasn't so bad, I, I plucked up Courage again and, and bought our friends Electric the, the week after. So luckily I got both. Yes. Nice. nice. Yeah, there's, there's something about Wax that I still really enjoy. Uh, 
there's there's just something different about buying something on vinyl, isn't there? Almost yeah. Like CDs and downloads are, you know, it's this it's the same music and it's stuff like, like that. It's disposable culture, though. It's just like throwaway. Yeah. Whereas you have a solid bit of vinyl, you have that forever. Yeah. It's not going yeah, if you don't want it to, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it didn't take me any strength whatsoever to hump four thousand MP3s. To the new house, <laughs> but, on, yeah, but it's probably hard I knew about it with it, these but, records. Oh, you know. we were talking before about how knackered your back must be. Did you yeah. say you took four thousand bits of wax in a recent house move? Four four thousand, and the, I mean the shelves that I've got were were um, made personally for a, a mate of mine, and when he moved house, he bought new shelves and sold me these. Okay, and they are like stupidly heavy. <laughs> Um, so I mean, it, the shelves were bad enough trying to put them up because they were the first thing we moved into the house, and then each section uh, to take each section out and box it up, and then label all the boxes, and then put them all back in so they're all in exactly the same place as they were at the old house. <laughs> A little bit of the DJ's analness about that, like the sort yeah, of totally. But it's how like it was all categorized. Um. The one side is all one particular kind of music, and they're all in um, like label category. Oh, um, and then the other side, it's in the some of some of them are genres, and some of them are in year. That's so, a well interesting way to do it. Like it's just I'm all genre. You're all genre. All genre. Yeah. Like, I suppose these days it's a bit more simple for me. I've got a collection of 45 bits of Bowie and they're all in one section under Bowie. So yeah. it's, it's quite easy sense. for me to go in there and sort that out. I can imagine <laughs> sorting a set where everything's divided by label. Uh, yeah. Although you're an almanac of music like that, aren't you? So it's not really going to be that difficult. I mean, it's, it, you know, pulling the records out is, is sound. It's putting them back in exactly where yeah. they used to be. That's That's the one, you know. And when, when someone borrows something or whatever it's you're going through all these sections and if you can't find a record it does me head in. oh yeah i i can imagine it did so uh when you you'd already started buying vinyl as i say you bought some gary newman and some Tubeway army uh where did you go from there um i mean i've kind of changed a bit when i'm our first we we actually moved house um, from one village in Staffordshire to another one. Right. Um, and the first school disco I went to there, there was like some geezer in bondage trousers jumping about to punk who like got his knob out, which was like, you know, what I was very, yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh my God, what the hell, where the hell have we moved to? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, people were, there was like people dancing to undertones and stuff like that. But a lot of the kids my age, we're all into heavy metal. Oh, right. You know, okay. oh, you know, you're talking early 80s now, aren't you? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, like there was, there was a big heavy metal thing, like late 70s, early 80s. Um, and <clears throat> it was pretty obvious that if you didn't get into heavy metal in, in our year at school, you were going to get your head kicked in most most days. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, so I, I started buying Motorhead and... Um, White Snake and stuff like that. Um, so I so I had a, a few like Rainbow albums, Def Leppard, Iron Maiden, um, Rainbow as well. Wow, that yeah. takes me back. Bloody yeah. hell. So there's um, there was a few of those, 
but then when it, it I moved out of that school, um, I got into like the whole two tone um, thing. You know, you, you uh, when we moved to like a, a a bigger school, that year kind of dissipated in into because like a lot more uh, smaller schools went to this big school, um, so you had a bit more freedom with what you kind of could get into. Yeah, the music, um, so that you'd fit in with the other kids. Yeah, um, yeah. and and you know, I like the the all the two tone kind of stuff, as well as listening to pretty much everything still at home. But there was, you know, I bought a few um, of the the Scar and Two Tone singles and record albums, um, and Tears for Fears that came out. Oh. I think about about eighty eighty three something yeah. like that. Tears their first Fears, album. one of the ones in my dad's collection, like so I'm familiar with them. Yeah. I mean that first album, you know, I played it to death. Um very electronic, but some some really good songs on there. Yeah, cool. Uh so was there any one particular Tears for Fears or any one particular song from your early experiences that sort of uh encapsulates what it was you were listening to? Um, I think Change was a, the, my favourite track off the album. Obviously, Mad World was um, um, a, a brilliant track. Um, yeah, super popular and, as well. And the, the the title track of the album, Hurting, was was really good. But I think Change was was my favourite. Yeah. What 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 was it about Change that really sucked you in? Um, I think that Tears for Fears had a mix between like um, you you know like real instruments and and the electronic the, kind of stuff yeah and so it's it was a like a real nice balance of of that kind of stuff so it was a mixture of the guitars and stuff that was yeah. in the two-tone and scar but it also yeah. had that little bit of electronic that you were leaning towards yeah totally cool sound uh well i see no better reason to play some tears for fears yeah this um, is uh, changed this is change
Change by Tears for Fears. And as Mark said, that was on the album The Hurtin', released in 1983 on Mercury Records. That's good discogging, Gav. It is good discogging. Did you know them already? Did you know all of those facts already, Marco? No, wait. No, I had to, I had to, I had to call a, discogs up and just make sure. We often, often go back to discogs. And it's often, often wrong. Yeah, it, it has <laughs> proven to be our downfall at points. Yeah, so, I've, I've known it's it's been wrong a few times because people have written stuff about my tunes and I'm like, I've even tried to correct it and they've said I'm wrong. <laughs> Can you get away with just emailing them saying, actually, this is my tune, you're kind of wrong? Yeah, and, and they've said that they've disagreed with me. <laughs> That's even better. That's yeah. so bullshit. How yeah. dare Discogs disagree with someone who put the music out? Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Sod's law, isn't it? Yeah. Speaking of Sod's law, it seems that we missed out on a two and a one Air horns. Air horns. Uh, we do them with our mouths because apps aren't as good. Um, <laughs> and you chose to use your wild card for the early influences section. So Mark, who was the second one? Um, when after the the brief challenge with the whole uh, Tears for Fears and, and electronic kind of stuff, yeah. um, I, I got into like the, um, the electro that was starting to come over in the early 80s. And I think that's that's the one music where I like firmly found my feet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, went, just went all out and started buying loads of records, that kind of stuff, um, you know, followed it through into like the soul and funk, um, carried on with the electro things right up until like House came out. Um, hip hop and house, right through to the, the acid house and rave thing. So it kind of followed the path, but it started with um, the very early electro stuff. Um, and I think there was like Rocket by Herbie Hancock. I fucking love um, that tune. I love hip, that tune. Yeah, hip hop, bebop, Man Parish, uh, Planet Rock by Soul Sonic Force. Yeah, but, yeah. but the one that even though it's it's got like the gimmicky square dance kind of bit in it, I think with the video with the graffiti and the Rocksteady crew in there doing the break dancing and and stuff, I think Buffalo Gals by Malcolm McLaren yeah. and and seeing the world's famous Supreme Team doing the the scratching in the video, you know, it just like it just showed you everything about like the early hip hop thing. So yeah, so that that one track is you know it's. It's the the starting block for for the rest of my yeah. musical life, really. Yeah, it's sort of like it's at that point in between when music was music, and then there was music videos to like emphasize the points of songs. Yeah, which is where you got the famous dancers and the scratches. When you weren't just listening to music, you were sort of taking it in in different mediums as well. Um, and, lots of live and with, performances and stuff. And with the with the the thing about the scratching, you you heard it on records. But until you saw it being done, you had no idea how to do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it was between that, that uh, Buffalo Girls and Rocket, you know, it, it's, it just showed a lot of people like, you know, wow, that's how they do it. No way. You know, yeah. I'd ruin so many records, scratching the needle across the grooves yeah. until I saw, <laughs> saw, that's saw exactly how to do where it. I was going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it, it probably cost a lot of people the needles. Yeah, <laughs> totally. If you go back to 1983, in fact, you know what? They were all one combined unit. 
it mightn't have been a needle. It might have been the whole deck that was fucked. Whoa. <laughs> that, like, that, that realization just proper hit me there. Yeah. <laughs> Madness. Uh, right, cool. Well, let's uh, play that tunes then. So this is Malcolm McLaren uh, with the world-famous Supreme Team show. Go for little girls. Uh, 
inevitably, with you being a rave DJ, you would have found yourself to a rave. Let's go with the first rave memories. Then. Yeah. So, yeah. do you remember specifically your first rave? Um, I mean, the Probably. first time that, that I actually went out clubbing, I mean, this was way before... Um, before rave it was invented, and and probably before house music actually came to the the UK, because um, right. I started started going to clubs in like eighty five. I was too. Um, you were too nice one for that. Um, um, and it was a it was a club in Stafford called uh, there was Top of the World upstairs and Ritzy downstairs, and they right. used to do like. There was even a, a, a third floor called the Grasshopper Suite where they used to do Northern Soul do's. Oh, wicked. Yeah. But um, on, on these two two floors, they used to play it's like a mix uh, between like chart music and then they'd do a, a section of, of indie music. So stuff like um, The Cure and The Cult um, and like Erasure, stuff like that. Oh, I love it. And then... Then, then dance music. Um, so it was a lot of like um, what people call like eighties boogie or soul and funk, and then then the very odd electro tune. Right. So um, so if if you if you were into indie, you'd hang about at the bar doing whatever until the indie bit came on, and then you'd have like half an hour to an hour of indie stuff, and so you you either go upstairs to see if they were playing something you liked um, and just swap floor or sit off for a bit while something was being played that you didn't like and try and avoid yeah. any, any fights that might have gone on at that of an evening. But, <laughs> so you know, did you have like the different groups all standing together waiting for their turn on the dance floor? Yeah, it was because they had like a seated area. So say if it was like all the, the dance stuff was going off, all the indie lot had, had sit off for a bit um, or go downstairs because they varied the music between the two floors. I mean, sometimes you could, they could be playing indie upstairs and you go downstairs and they'd be playing indie. And, what oh. are you going to do? Yeah, but, yeah. You know, it's like going it, to a slamming. It's like going to a slamming vinyl event and walking from one room, having pendulum playing, and walking yeah. to another room and they're playing pendulum as well. Yeah, you uh -huh. know, it's 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 one of those. But you'd never have that long to have to wait until you know something that was half decent would come on. Right. Cool. And like, was there any specific DJs or anything like that playing, or was it just like, was it just like the house DJ? You know yeah, what I mean? Standard. The, yeah, the they, in house club DJ. Yeah, he was just the the, the local DJ. Um, yeah. Do you remember what he was called? Was he Geek Dave the DJ or something like that? The, well, there was one up the the one up main upstairs was called Nigel, and the one downstairs was called Mike. Oh, yeah, yes. they sound the like one... an eighties radio duo, don't they? Like, <laughs> yeah. Nigel they and looked, Mike in the they, weekend. They looked like it as well, um, but the, I mean the <laughs> the one downstairs, the DJ booth was like it was like kind of stepped up from the dance floor but f it was up against the wall so he was he was facing away from the crowd that seems so, so had, backwards yeah he, he he had his back to everyone but then no one like no one faced the dj no one watched the dj just everyone just danced on on the dance floor it wasn't there wasn't like that dj culture where there was like any kind of DJ worship at all. 
Yeah. So it didn't matter where he was. And if you remember rightly, Gav, um, when the Cooperage first started doing raves, their DJ booth in the top room, that, that all their stuff faced the wall as well. It, it did, it was yeah. very much of the same era. Yeah. It seems weird now the way that DJ culture is, where like some DJs can be pedestaled and it's like, mm. how dare you turn your back on the DJ? The DJ yeah. forms to the crowd, whereas back then... It was the music that was the highlight, not the DJ, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. Because, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's the music that you're dancing to. It's not the DJ, is it? That's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, that's a very good point. Uh, just out of interest, what sort of what sort of get-up were people in at this uh, rave in the 1980s? Oof. Um, <laughs> well. Or oh, what mean, was your get-up like? Uh, it's quite, it sounds quite embarrassing, now, but, but back then I, I thought I was the much nuts to be honest. But, I mean, <laughs> right. I had I, I had long curly hair, so I, I did have hair. Um, <laughs> um, you had big long sleeve shirts with the paisley pattern on, um, farrow trousers, and slip on shoes. Oh wow! So everyone yeah. was working, walking around looking like a fucking curtain. Yeah, I was an absolute <laughs> stunner. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's part of the thing that we missed. Obviously, by the time I was getting into going clubbing, it was mm. very much the opposite to that. And it was, mm. you're there to see a certain DJ and you'd want to watch him and pay respect to what he was actually doing. So yeah. it seems like such a far stretch. I mean, halfway through you saying that, I was thinking, oh, you know, people would have been going outside for a tag before I remembered that that's a new thing. Everywhere. You used yeah. to be able to smoke everywhere. Yeah. My kids yeah. used to smell a smoke instead of fart. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's the unfortunate thing about nightclubs, like, is yeah. that like they smell of beer and fart. Like, mm. it doesn't smell of tabs like it used to. Yeah. Oh, the good old days. The good old days. Yeah, the, good, the, the good old days of smoking, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, of people being able to smoke wherever they wanted. Yeah. Right, okay. So, by the way, of your first rave memories, is there any one tune that you remember being played that night or multiple different nights that you went out that you'd like to play for everyone on the On the Rave podcast? Um, I mean, there was, there was a tune that I was bang into, um, called Romeo Where's Juliet. Right. Uh, by Collage. Um, I mean, that was, that was one I always looked forward to. There was stuff like, um, the finest SOS band. Oh, um, yeah. and, and then, then there was this weird one. Because it, it, it seemed totally different to all the tunes that were around um, at the time. Um, and this was before House, um, called Set It Off by Masquerade, which later I found was a cover version of, of an older tune. Um, there's, there's a version by the Harlequin Fours, and I think the original version is by... Uh, strafe or strafe, however you, you say it, but it was the masquerade version that was that was played downstairs in the Ritzy, and it, it really stood out because it was way different to everything else. Sweet. Well, I see no better cause to play the tune, so everyone else can hear what you were talking about. So, uh, for the first rave memories section, uh, this is set it off by Masquerade.
There you have it. A little bit of weirdness. Yeah, that's set it off by Masquerade 1985 on a label called Street Wave. And that was the first rave memory of Mr. Mark Archer, who we're on Skype with. Um, again, Mark, thank you very much for spending some time. I know you're about no worries. Um, sitting and chatting with us. Um, we actually met you at a festival. It was the first yes. time we actually sat and had a crack, wasn't it? It was a bang face. It was bang face, which yeah. is, uh, yeah, that's one well, hell of a place to meet, isn't it? It was, yeah. You you were you were sat chilling with us when the security decided to raid, uh, raid our tent and took all my nitrous oxide off me. Yes, yeah. that was uh, that. Yeah, that was a bit of a bum twitch. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a bum twitch. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, cool. So, uh, section four of you know just, just rounding it back in a bit of foreshadowing there, Gav. Section four of the podcast when we ask you about festival fever. So it might be a bit of a daft question, but uh, do you enjoy a bit of a festival? <laughs> to be honest, um, I'd never been to a festival until 2006. Um, and yeah, and they didn't, you know, when you have a preconceived idea of a festival and I'd seen loads of pictures of muddy festivals, I was just like, why would anyone want to do that? Yes. Um, and then I was asked to play uh, the Bang Face Tent at Glade. Oh, yeah. Cool. Was yeah, that 2006? The... We were there. Yes. Yeah. Bloody hell, we were actually there. No way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, definitely. I think that's the... Uh, we were at that festival and we were wandering around with T-shirts that had Who Stole Pat Butcher yeah. written on nah, them. No way. Yeah. So, uh, we, do you know what is? We found a security guard who looked just the like spitting double. The spitting double. And she was not up for getting that picture taken. What had to no. We had to take like sneaky photos where we were stood a distance behind her, like yeah. to try and get us in the picture because yeah. she'd obviously been told by too many people she looked like Pat Butcher. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, she wasn't happy. Awkward. No, no. So as much as you were a late starter with festivals, um, yeah, you've obviously like, you've, like I can see the list you've put here. You've covered a lot of ground when it comes to them, haven't you? I've 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 done a few and it's it, it's really surprising you know from from not doing any festivals until 2006 um, and then just you know really getting into them um, you know like obviously Bang Face uh, Field Maneuvers um, I've been lucky enough to do Glastonbury a few times oh, wow. uh, Global Gathering Gate Crasher uh, and and Shindig. Um, and I even did um, an Electric Daisy Carnival over in uh, Vegas. In, in Las Vegas? Yeah. Wow, what was that like? Um, I mean, I don't, to be honest, I don't think I was the, the, the kind of music that a load of EDM kids wanted to hear. <laughs> right. But it was, a, you know, it, it was an experience for, for more than one reason. Oh yeah, getting to play out in America at a, at a big venue like. Had you been to Las Vegas before you went? No, that was the first first ever time I went. But unfortunately, my um, clothes stayed in Amsterdam. Oh. Uh, so when I got there, I just got the clothes that I'd been travelling in for over thirty six hours. So I didn't do a lot of uh, hanging about with people. Yeah. <laughs> oh damn, that's. I think that's the thing of doing a big festival out of the country is that there's just that tiny risk of your bag not making it as well. Yeah. Did you I have, mean, a, look, did you have luckily, a bag of wax with you? Well, luckily, I've been told that, um, you know, this isn't the place to, to take records um, oh. with you because I'd, I'd played on records up until that gig. 
Um, and my records had gone missing a few times. I'd always got them back. But they said, um, if you turn up here with records or CDs, they're going to know you're DJing at a festival and they'll just turn you around and, and send you back home. And then obviously, you know, you can't go for another seven years or whatever. Oh, yeah. So they said, just take a USB, make out you're going for a bit of a, a gambling weekend and, you know, you, you'll be sound. <laughs> so it was the first time I'd ever played off a USB. Wowza. It's, it's funny that, that that a promoter has to think so far in advance to say, I'm booking you as a DJ. But please don't bring records or CDs. Don't tell yeah. Them you're here for. yeah. Don't tell them what. Yeah. Don't tell them you're here for my festival. Tell them yeah. you're here to gamble. That, yeah. like, they're Easy. more likely to accept that. It's a good that. excuse for Vegas. It is a good excuse for Vegas. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, but I, so I didn't do any gambling though. Yeah. Sorry. So by the way, of festivals, you, like I can see you've obviously been to quite a few. Um, what sort of bands do you catch, or what sort of artists do you try and catch when you're not actually the one that people are all raving to? Um, I mean, any of the old stuff. If there's if there's anyone about, I mean, I'm not I'm not into like rock music as much as Nikki would love me to to go and watch the Foo Fighters with her or something like that. Right. Um, you know, I, I I always prefer the dance stuff. Um, and I was we were lucky enough to catch Sheik at, at Glastonbury a few years ago, and they are you know they're just absolutely fantastic. You know, just the, the the versions of the tunes that they do are absolutely perfect, which is I, I'm not mad keen on live versions of tunes. If if the first version of a tune I've ever heard is a live version, that's the version you like. Yeah. But if if you buy like a recorded version and then you go and see the band and that version's not the same, it's like hearing a crap remix. Yeah. Yeah. You know uh... what I mean? Yeah, totally. I mean, there's examples with me. Like, I went to go and see the Wu Tang Clan in Manchester years ago, and they were wonderful. And then about a year and a half later, they came to Newcastle. Newcastle they were shockingly bad. It was so bad that I like, I, I was, I was a bit disappointed that I'd actually went because yeah. it just ruined them for us, which is, which is a shame, which is a massive shame. So, yeah. um, yeah. So, Bar and Chic, is there anyone else you've caught at a festival who you really liked? To be honest, no, because I'm I, I, honestly I'm not that mad on on live groups. Um, yeah. So chic, I caught them twice, like Creamfields and and Glastonbury, and just, you know thought they were brilliant. Um, but I caught a bit of Sly and the Family Stone, and didn't didn't really. It was way too jumbled. Is this the Glastonbury um, performance of Sly? And yeah, the Family yeah. Yeah, uh, I went to see Sly and the Stanley Stone at one Glastonbury, and I was way too hammered to know yeah. any difference. <laughs> I think that's the problem with me when I get in a field. I, I, I go a bit overboard. Like, it's a festival fever in your gav. It is. It is, yeah. All the pingers. All the, well, it, it, a bit of both? A bit of both. I'd say so. A bit of, two, two and a one. Warm cider and pingers and sunshine. Yeah. Right. It's a match made of the hemp <laughs> It is, yeah. <laughs> it's a combination, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a proper combo. Um, cool. Well, uh, I see you've picked a track to represent all of your uh, festival shenanigans. So, um, who's the track by and what's it about? Oh, fuck knows. <laughs> I'm, str <laughs> I'm str struggling here. Uh, Todd what was it? What was it? Todd Teji? Strong oh, Todd Scomix. Right. Now, here you go. Right. See, um, there's a track by, and some people call him. 
Todd Turge, because that's <coughs> how his name's written. Yeah. But apparently, it's a take on Todd Terry. <laughs> Todd Terji. Right. So it's uh, yeah, apparently it's supposed to be pronounced Todd Todd Terji. Okay. Who right. knows? Who knows? Everyone calls him Todd Church, and and that'll do for me. Yeah. <laughs> and the um, the the track, it's um, it's a track that got us home from from Field Maneuvers one one year. Right. Just played it on loop um, on a very early Monday morning, um, absolutely hanging, um, and it's called Strandbar, the the disco mix. That's there. Yep. Let's do this then. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> festival fever moment picked by Mr. Mark Archer. Say Todd Tej. Todd Tej. Todd You can all argue about that in the comments. Uh, the tune's name is Strandbar. The disco mix.
that was uh, Tortege. <laughs> oh, I dropped the ball, Gavin. Absolutely. Passed us in and I kicked it in the fucking gut. I like a turd. Oh, dear. It's <laughs> Tortage standard, the disco mix, Gav, actually. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, and that was the Festival Fever track. Big by Mr. Mark Archer. So, rolling swiftly on in section five of the podcast. This is the part of the podcast where we ask you to share a discovery and maybe some bits and pieces that you've got coming up. So, um, uh, we know that you've had a barren January. Um, yeah. Things are picking up. Yeah, well, it's um, <clears throat> with the old school scene, you, you get ups and ups and downs. You know, you can't be busy all the time. Um, okay. e- even when I was doing the the thirty year tour last year, um, you know, there was there were certain months where I wasn't doing as much as 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 others. I mean, some some weekends, you know, I was doing like three four gigs and then. Then I'd have like two weeks off, kind of thing. Nice. Um, but coming up, we've got the the bank face weekender, uh, yeah. which is always, you know, always. an abs- absolute blast every yes. every year. Cannot wait! Cannot yeah. wait! Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it falls in the part of the year where I'm doing assessments at uni, so unfortunately, I'm not going to be there again, Ooh. which is a bit nasty, but. Uh, I'll be representing. Yeah, yeah. Danny will be there to cause bother. You can see me slumped over in a field somewhere and it's like running, rolling around on the beach. I just did a muddy puddle. Pick us up. Yeah. Pop us up against some. Give us a picker. <laughs> Happy days. Out for free. Um, we'll we'll, we'll be there from face, the Thursday. Um, besides Bankface, we know that you're going to be playing to an event that we're definitely both, both going to. Um, that I'm very, very excited about. And uh, you're going to be doing a set at Res. Yes, and and I've not played a res since 1991, which was um, fair in Newcastle. Yes, and 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 that's where we discovered Vix. Vix Vaynerub. Yeah, yeah. That was a very Newcastle thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was. We'd we'd honestly not. You know, it wasn't something that we we put in our masks. We didn't know about the whole Vix thing at all. Until we did that gig, and it was like you walked in and your eyes started watering. It's like, what is going on? Um, and then I think one of the crew went and asked, you know, what, what's the sketch with this Vic thing? And they told them. Um, and we didn't think any more of it. And then uh, if you've got one of these masks on, they get very wet and you breathe in the same air for an hour. Yeah. And they don't smell the best. <laughs> So we used to just put Vicks inside the masks, just to help you breathe. You know, he's like a nice, nice smell. Um, yeah. And it just obviously, everyone thought we put Vicks in for another reason. And you know, you're not, you're not going to say otherwise. So no, it was cool. That's it. To be fair, like I've always known it as Vicks Raver Rub. That's yeah. always what I've known it as, but it's yeah. hard to think that that wasn't even a. Was, was is, that it as, is. is it as Jordy as Lucas did? Is it? Yes. Wowza, wowza. There we go. We're responsible for more than people let on, the Geordies. So, uh, this is the shared discovery section where we ask you to maybe point out an artist that other people mightn't have known about. So, we were just talking before about how to pronounce this guy's name. Yeah. (laughs) More than anything. So, it's one of those silent Gs, isn't it? it, Well, it might be or it might not. You know, I've, I've always said it's Nork, but it might be Nork. You, who knows? I'm, yeah, I'm, it I sounds can't. like someone sneezing, trying to say Bjork. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't have the bottle to uh, to message the dude and and ask him. By the way, how do you pronounce your name? But <laughs> um, I mean, the first time I ever heard 
uh, one of his tunes was on, um, there's a DJ called Honey, which is H-N-N-Y, doing um, a boiler room in uh, Sweden, I think it was. Oh, wow. And, And about the second or third tune in this set, on came this Gnork track and and just blew me away. So obviously I started to, you know, look into, uh, you know, any other tunes that he'd done, and he's not done a single bad tune. Oh wow! Yet. So you know everything that he's done, I I really like. Um, you know, bought a couple of pieces. I mean, Nicky bought me that that first one I heard um, on uh, as a record. Um, which was nice of her, and then I've I've bought a few more. He even does stuff under the name DJ Shark, which is a bit more kind of like breakbeat and jungly kind it's of stuff. It's a lot easier and, to pronounce as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. G on Shark, unless, it, unless it's Hawk. <laughs> but he's uh, he, all of the tunes are fantastic, you know. So he's he's definitely one to look out for. Right, cool. Um, so, can people find him uh, on like YouTube, maybe? And loads of his stuffs on YouTube. Um, he's got stuff up on on Bandcamp as well. Um, oh. So, uh, I mean, you know, J- Juno and places like that it, it stock his records. Cool. So he's, you know, he's he's very widely available. What we'll do for everyone, um, we'll pop a link to the Bandcamp in the comments down below. So, if you want to know more from this artist. Click into the click into the comments. Go to his band camp and have a good dig. But uh, I believe the track we're going to play today is called "Unreal." Yeah, it's cool. um, it's, it's a, just a real basic like nine oh nine drum track, but it's just the power of of the drums on it. Um, proper draw you in, and I think that he's got most of his tunes have got real nice pads on them, and I think being a bit of a, a, a geeky spotter. The paddy sampled off um, The Burial by Leviticus. Ah, but, so, he's, you know, so he's sampling other big tunes then. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could be wrong, but it, it sounds very similar to me. If you asked us to pick someone who would be able to pick out a pad name and specifically, I would have <laughs> probably put your name on that list like well. Yes. Oh. Uh, I think people will. Uh, I think people will understand that you're a bit more of an expert on this situation than they might be. So, um, no, go on. Sorry, did I interrupt? No, just a bit nerdy, more than most people. <laughs> nerdy. There's something that uh, something about music that draws the nerds out. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Like people can sit and rap for ages about it. I mean, like just subgenres and things like that. People who can like. I say jungle, and people think about fifteen subgenres of jungle. You know what I mean? So no way. It just depends on the different levels. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, way. Totally. Terrible amounts of things. Terrible amounts. So for the share discovery track, uh, first of all, mention that you can see Mark at Bangface. If you haven't already got a ticket, get a ticket. If you're lucky to, I think it may be close to selling it's out. Very close to sell. I think they've just opened two chalets, uh, two birth chalets. Two birth chalets. So there is some, there is some more left. So grab your rave partner, get online to the Bangface website and get a ticket. Or, or you can still go to Res. There is still gets there. The early birds have gone, but there's still tickets left. Yeah, and Res is going to be amazing. You can get the bus up to. Edinburgh. I think that's sold out, Cap. Uh, well, there we go. If the bus is sold out, I'm happy I've got a ticket. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, as the Share Discovery track, we're going to play a song by Gnork. Gnork, Gnork. <laughs> this is unreal. <laughs> 
And there you have it. That was Unreal by Nyork. Um, and you can catch him on Bandcamp and on YouTube. That was the shared discovery by Mr. Mark Archer. So we have reached the moment in the podcast where I asked the man to my left to set the scene. So, Mark, you're coming through the, the, the double doors of Bang Face. You're just bumping around, trying to keep out the way of sweaty ravers and inflatables everywhere. You go past Nicky covered in fucking inflatables. You, you come to the front right speaker, see the Geordies, because Geordies are always at the front right speaker. And the DJ drops a tune. It's the best thing you've ever heard. Are you are your hands in the air or are you screw face right down? Um well it depends on the tune, doesn't it? It's like if if you've got something like expansions. Um, it's like boom, straight up in the air. Everyone yep. see me hairy pits. Um, <laughs> but it's it's you know when there's something that's proper rude, um, pulling the pulling the the baddest bass face going, which I I used to do at Shelley's for some mental reason. <laughs> Screw right. your face up like it was a, a school pump bag. Yeah, like you've just like you like you're sucking on a lemon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've had people that side on both ends of the conversation in here, like so. Um, somewhere in the middle is normally one of the calls we get. Yeah, yeah, 50, 50, um, yeah. I think it, it just depends on the individual person. There's tunes that make me screw my face up, but there's definitely more tunes that make Maybe me wing me arms in the air. Like, is, is how I work. So, what sort of thing is it that makes your arms go up in the air? Is it like the, the typical answer to this is pianos? Yeah, I mean, you see, it's more often than not pianos. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think the noise, even though everyone calls it a piano in expansions, I don't think it is a piano. But I mean, there's even like, like older kind of like really spiritual records, like the Night Writers, "Let the Music Use You," oh, where geez. you just close your eyes and put your arms in the air and just have a have a bit of a moment to them. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the ones. And then there's other ones where you can go through a tune thinking that you're going to be hands in the air for all the way. And mm. then there's just that one riff that makes you screw that face right up. Yeah. Point at the deck and go, yes. Yeah, man. So it's, it's one of those ones that people go both ways, both ways. Yeah. On. So um, do you have more of these moments when you're in the crowd or when you're actually up performing? Um, I mean, it's, I, don't, I don't play old school when I'm at home. So, because I've, I've said it to Nikki when I first met her, and she used to play old school all the time, and I was like, I never want to get bored of these records by hearing them, you know, yeah. like all the way through the week, and then I hear them at the weekend. You know, I still want to, still want to enjoy them when I play them. Um, yeah. I mean, Cybersonic Technarchy, that's just one you know you can never ever get bored of. You know, yeah. when it drops, it's goosebumps, um, like Outlander Vamp. Yes. Oh, that's you know, that's, that's there's certain tunes that you know you you if you play them and they don't work, you're honestly in the wrong place. You know, I played at a festival one Sunday and I dropped Vamp, and it just really didn't get a reaction. And I was in proper half a mind to like just pick my records up and, and go. <laughs> why am I? The why am I here? Yeah, yeah, he's going to pull a snares and just walk out. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, was, it, uh, it was honestly pointless me being there. You know, it was, it was just like a human jukebox kind of thing. You know, you're going through the motions because 
they're not getting what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, well, that's a better crack. Well, for, uh, uh, I see that you've picked, uh, you know, a very uh, a solid, a solipsistic tune uh, by picking your own tune for this section. <laughs> what, well, it's, what is it about it's, frequency that makes your arms go in the air? Um, it's just, it, it's, if there's any alternate tune, I mean, that you know, I really love Infiltrate. I'm very proud of, of Activate. But um, frequency was just... I did it at home on my own in in like my my bedroom at my mum and dad's um, on hardly any equipment. And it was when I first got that T99 tune, I was like, that noise coming at the beginning. I was like, I'm having that. <laughs> I just just did did that riff, and it was just like when you've when you you put something down, and it's just like, oh Christ, you know, this this is a bit good, and it's just one of those tunes where that's that i think that's the alternate tune that when you play it it works and if it don't work you're in the wrong place um and i mean is like um soul wax have, have done a cover version of it you know they play it out loads of times it's, it's been remixed more than any other alternate tune ever you know there's so many like bootleg versions that, that are up on the internet um you know people have just robbed i mean last week i got sent a techno tune where the bloke's done the riff half time. Um, oh, you know, it's, it's constantly being sampled and, and played out. So it's, you know, it's, it's one of the prouder moments I've got. Yeah. I think the tunes, uh, I mean, frequencies from 1992, isn't it? Um, well, I, I made it in 91 and the album, it's on the album that came out in 92. Um, oh. but I think that the 12 originally, um came out in very late 91 and then came out early 92 right so right, it's, okay. it's a proper borderline kind of tune because it came yeah. out on um a single-sided well it had an interview on one side and then frequency on the other as a limited edition thing and that completely sold out so then we did it as a limited edition record to make sure it didn't get in the charts and we did 10,001 copies um, and it got to 41. So if, if we did, if we did put it as like a proper release frequency would have charted and it's like, it's not even stereo, you know, there's no effects on it at all. It's the most lo-fi tune we did. Yeah. If I'm totally honest, Mark, I've been a fan of yours for years and frequency is the best tune you've ever done. Um, I selected Frequency in my list. If anyone wants to go all the way back to episode two of the podcast, when me and Addy were so much younger and inexperienced and not good at this at all. Not professional. Uh, not at professional all. at all. Um, but Frequency is one of those ones that I absolutely love. Uh, it's one of the ones that's on my regular playlists of tunes for in the morning. Get up and go. And it's the ultimate shower song because you can just get washed really quickly and get out before the song's yeah. done and enjoy no, Enjoy toweling yourself down to it. Not that I want anyone <laughs> to have that image in their head. No. God damn it! What have I started? There's going to be like there's going to be illustrated pictures of me fucking toweling myself down to alternate now. Um, cool. Well, what we'll do uh, is we'll play this track out. So, for <laughs> <laughs> the hands in the air, arms in the air, screw face moment. This is alternate frequency, 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 frequency. frequency. frequency.
frequency, 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 frequency. From full-on mass hysteria, that is the alternate classic frequency. frequency. Uh, wrote in 1991, released in 1992 on Network Records. Um, so, Mr. Archer, obviously, as a DJ, you probably get requested to play songs all the time. Um, but DJs very often don't get to play a track out and dedicate a track to someone. So, for Section 7 of the podcast, is there any special person out there who you would like to play a tune to? Well, if if I didn't dedicate it to Nikki, there'd be trouble. Oh, so, that would uh, be a serious bother if Nikki didn't yeah. get the track played. Oh, like, why wasn't it me? So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd obviously uh, dedicate a tune to Nikki, my lovely wife. Anyway, um, yeah. and and we we know we know Nikki's a bit of an old school head, as she picked she old is. school. She's a big prodigy head, isn't she? She's a massive prodigy fan, yeah. Which. Uh, is a bone of contention, obviously. <laughs> uh, um, and when I first met her, um, you know, all, all she had um, music-wise was was apart from a couple of Foo Fighters CDs and stuff, um, just loads of old school. 
So I'd, I'd be playing like noodly Detroit techno from the late 80s in my car. And I didn't realize at the time, but she absolutely hated it. Oh. Um, thought it was just, she, if a tune was longer than four minutes, she didn't know why it went on. Um, <laughs> right, if, okay. if a tune didn't have vocals, she wanted to know why not. Um, and all this acid malarkey, it's like, what the hell is that? Um, oh. But obviously me playing it over and over and over again, she kind of got into into it a bit. Um, and then I played her this particular tune and there was just something about it. I think I'd played it a few times. She wasn't mad keen. And then you play it again. And because of the familiarity of her hearing it before, oh, yeah. what's this? And then I've, I've played it quite a lot out in, in clubs and it absolutely smashes the place when you play it. Um, yeah. And, you know, seeing the effect it has in a club, you know, and, and she goes absolutely crackers to it. But I've, I've known her even climb up on the, the dinner table, you know, while we're having dinner, move plates out of the way, get up and, and just lose it while, you know, the kids are looking at her like, what on earth is going on? <laughs> Do you know what it is, mate? It's, like, it's typical. Yeah, it's like, we're, yeah. We've, known her for, we've known her for ages and I can just see her with an inflatable yeah. round her waist on the dinner table in her slippers. Yeah. Oh yeah, to totally. You know, I mean, you know exactly what Nikki's like, and it's, yeah. you know, she's a she's a, a laugh a minute, but this this tune just make, makes her proper lose it. Sweet. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. Uh, we'll let you introduce the tune and dedicate it to her. Right. So this is a tune dedicated to my lovely wife, Nikki, and it's Sue Generis and Speaking Terms. Thank you. 
And that was a lovely, lovely dedication track played out. That was Speaking Terms by Sue Generis. Hope you enjoyed it, Nikki. Yeah, we hope you did enjoy it, Nikki. Um, we're going to roll straight on and be quick about this and get into Section 8. Uh, section 8 is the bone of contention that is... Guilty pleasures. So, um, uh, we un- are, are we to understand that you really don't have much, by the way, of guilty pleasures in music? No, it's... I, I, I don't... I don't tend to be embarrassed about music that like, and I don't like anything, you know, like Barbie Girl by Aqua or anything like that. You know, it was, I mean, Nikki got me up right at the front of the stage last year at Bang Face on the Thursday night when Two Unlimited were there and she was like absolutely losing her shit. And I just stood there. It's like, yeah, I've heard this before. Um, you know, I either <laughs> like something or I don't like it. You know, it's, it's one of, it's one of those. Um, yeah. But so with you, is it like you either you either love it or you hate it, or yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't I don't tend to to slag um, music off. Um, you know, if I don't like it, I don't like it. There's no point in me wasting the energy on going on about David Getter and stuff like that. You know, it's you know each to their own. If you like yeah. something, you like something. If you don't, you don't. Absolutely. You know, but, but, you know, it's personal opinion. You know, and I'm not right in saying something shit. You know, when other people think, well, I like his shit, you know, it's, it's just it's one of those. But, um, you know, I'm mainly into dance music. Um, but I guess I guess the one tune that would be as, as close to a, a guilty pleasure as you could you you could call was um, an old tune by Culture Club. I don't know whether <laughs> it was one of their their biggest tunes. Right, but um, it was a tr- track called um, "Time." Oh, by the Culture Club. Yeah, yeah I know this. You can't see. No. Do you know what? It's one of those ones that I have definitely had on the background. Um, there was a lot of eighties in the Pearson household as we were growing up, so like there was plenty of stuff like this played, and a bit of Culture Club never does me bad. So mm. um, I see. Like, let's be honest about it. Last week, well, the last show that we released. Finally, someone beat pegs and someone took over. Last time out, we had Robbie Williams. Let me entertain you, and I think that's now number one on the guilty pleasures song list. It's going to take a lot of beating. It is. So, um, that being said, uh, let's play this next guilty pleasure track. Uh, This is "Time" by the Culture Club. Let's go. 
section nine of the podcast this is the moment when we get to discuss who you think is the greatest of all time so um again this is one of those ones that's a bone of contention with a lot of people um do you have one person who you rate as the goat uh, oh, yeah. of anyone yeah. else yeah. yeah i mean there's loads of producers that you know like i massively respect you know from from when i first started getting into you know like all the acid house stuff uh, like DJ Fast Eddie, Tyree Cooper, people like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's amazing when you get to meet people like that, and they're so sound. Yeah, um, they're heroes. Yeah. Um, I mean, but Detroit techno is like something that properly, you know, well got into, and I mean that's the whole reason I started like the the Nexus Twenty One thing. Yeah. Um, techno alias. Yeah, and I mean the the reason. I started Nexus 21 was because I heard one of, of, of Derek May's tracks <clears throat> called Wigging. And ah. typically, me being um, a bit of a sample thief, I heard the bass line. I was like, I can't do anything better than that. I yeah. really need to do that. Um, so I, I looped the bass line and we got someone to sing over, over the top and did a track called Real Love. Um, which apparently Derek May heard played in Detroit, um, wanted to know who these motherfuckers were. I'm going to get their <laughs> kneecaps. Um, but luckily, we were signed to Network, and Neil Neil Rushton uh, was there and said, you know, they're cool, they're cool, they really respect what you're doing. Um, and, and Network actually sent us out to Detroit in 1990 to work with... Um, Kevin Saunderson and Anthony Shakir and, and MK. And I got to meet Derek. And so so I walked around, you know, like absolutely godsmacked for a week while we're out there because, you know, you, you're surrounded by all your heroes. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're all there. Um, but I think, you know, all the stuff that he did, there was so much emotion in it. 
you know, from like from more kind of screw facey tunes to the most like you know emotive floaty kind of stuff. Um, so he's he's just just that bit above everyone else for me. Yeah. Well, wow. oh, well, yeah. We had the same conversation about was it flowers of life? No. Uh, Strings of life. Strings, Strings of life. life. Strings of life. Flowers of life. What am I like? Um, <laughs> proper holes in this brain. It's not like a sieve. It's like a fucking colander, the size of the ones in my brain. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's just one of those tunes that's just synonymous with rave, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I played that um, that Glade Festival in two thousand and six. That was my last tune, and it was you know we built right up to. To you know, through Vamp and and Charlie by the Prodigy, and uh, you know, into the hardcore stuff, and then for the last tune, I brought it right down with with Strings of Life, and it absolutely went off. Yeah. You know, so it's just one of those tunes that just it's it's just got that power to it. Yeah, yeah, it it absolutely has. Like it's sort of synonymous with the rave scene, in particular yeah. that old school vibe that was about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. So, uh, which Derek May tune is it you've picked to represent? Well, there's—I mean, there's loads of his tunes that that I absolutely love, um, but there's one called "The Beginning," um, and it's just the, the the layers in it and the pads and everything. It's just absolutely amazing. So, it's this is a, this is my pick for God of All Things. Yeah, sweet. That's absolutely no problems. So. Uh, for the GOAT section, uh, section 9 of the podcast, uh, we're going to play Rhythm is Rhythm, The Beginning.
Ah, the beautiful Rhythm is Rhythm. That's the beginning all the way back in 1990. Wow, that was a long time. It was, it was a long time ago, wasn't it? Um, we have successfully manoeuvred all the way to the very last section of the podcast once again. Um, we'll just say it again. I know we've said it a few times, but thank you very much for spending the time to talk to us, to talk to our audience. Um, Absolute pleasure. You are one of the most requested people we've had, so to get you on nice and early is good. I was, um, like, literally the first person that we thought of who we wanted to actually interview at some point. Yeah, it was, like... So, like, number one on the list. Yeah, it was, like, oh, we could no. get Mark and then... Nice one. Add all the other names underneath. So, again, just thank you very much. And we're through to the final section of the podcast, which is the personal anthem section. So the way we normally describe this is, is if you were a big, oily wrestler in the WWE and you were going to walk down to the ring uh, to a certain tune um, uh, that would be there for your personal anthem, what tune would you pick? Um, it's it's by um, that the newest kind of guitar that I, I, I did in the Discovery section, which is yep. Gnork. Um, and this is the tune that I actually heard on. It was the first tune of his I heard. Right. Um, I mean, I don't think it's got like the power of, of Eye of the Tiger by Survival or anything like that to, to walk into to a, a wrestling ring. But it's just, <laughs> it's got everything in the tune that I like. You know, yeah. It's, it's got nice drums. It's got break beats. It's got a wicked bass line. It's got like um, old cool style piano stabs and then just when you don't think it can get any better this like little twiddly techno noise comes in and it's just loads of different bits that i really like about tunes all in the one tune yeah just a little bit of all of the things that you like about music yeah. but in one geek four minute section yeah uh, it's, it's a good way to approach the personal anthem tune it is, um it is. everyone seems to approach it a little bit different way so mm. it's quite open to interpretation um but yeah that that's absolutely great so uh oh excuse me bloody wind <laughs> um uh so uh what we'll do is we'll roll straight out and play this track again it's been marvelous having you on uh this is the personal anthem track picked by mr mark archer and this is blorp 93 blorp right. That's definitely how i'm pronouncing it blorp yeah, blorp as well. yeah blorp <laughs> 93 by Gnork. yeah Let's go.
Ah, and it was wonderful speaking to the Mr. Rock Archer. That was the personal anthems tune, which is by Gnork, and it's called Bloop 93, or something along those lines, which is on the Dream there's House a, a volume. That, like, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, every time you say that, I just think of the Swedish chef from the Muppets. Do you know what? It makes it makes me yep, think yep, of... Yep, what program had the Gnorks as one of the bad guys? Was it not, like, Smurf or the Smurfs? Were they not Gnorks? No, no. No? That was Gargamel in the Smurfs. It was Gargamel, there you go. If anyone can successfully tell me what kids' cartoon the Norks are from, we'll get you a shout-out. Well. We'll get you a shout-out on the next podcast. Um, that was a class conversation, wasn't it? It was lovely. It was Thank an absolute joy. Clean. Thank you, Mark, for being uh, so hospital with hospital. <laughs> oh, so, thank you for being so, so hospital. hospital. Um, so generous with his time when he's so busy at the minute, uh, moving house and records and selling boxes to Nicky's friends yeah well that's it and like you just you can't ask for anything better if there is anyone in particular that you would like to see on the podcast post a comment on the facebook page and let us know and we are striving to get in touch with all of these people we're going to continue the format we're going to have a local dj big name dj local dj big name dj and hopefully we'll just keep that rotating for you at the end of the podcast we have one more chance to remind you that you can catch us on facebook at on the rave you can catch us on twitter at on the rave you can catch us on youtube youtube.com forward slash on the rave you can catch us on instagram addy on the rave with addy and gav that's my favorite it's addy's favorite go to itunes go to spotify search on the rave subscribe follow review if you can pop a five star review down that would be mint uh, or you can call with bellends if you want but just give away five stars yeah if you give away five stars and call with bellends we'll still read it out but gav where would you go for coffee and snacks oh well You'd probably go and see our sponsor, wouldn't you, Addy? Yes. At the end of the day, we are powered by Podbean. And fueled by Basement Snacks. Don't forget that you can go and see Don's in Basement Stacks downstairs on Ridley Place and scream at her. On the rim! And you'll get 10% off all of your cakes and snacks and goods. The I... coffee is bloody lovely. <laughs> bloody delicious it is it's bloody delicious they've actually got some photo- they've got some photography up on the walls they've just redone all of the photos I need to go in this weekend so have a look yeah so uh, you can go in there and not only get food but you can go in there and you can glance at some photos and support a local podcast like these two idiots sitting in front of a microphone right now yep well we have got to the end of another podcast and you know what that means don't you Addy? It's fucking science. Yes, it's time to get scientific. So let's see your best Bill Nye impression. What's on the fucking cards today, science well, you know guy? What? I'm going to give you a UEP guarantee. 99% UEP, 99% guarantee of this is going to be scientific as a motherfucker. <laughs> it's the doom and rituals on the mighty, mighty prospect records. Ah, lovely. Can't some beat a bit of prospect. beats and some raggery bits and, you know, all sorts of... Enjoy, you bastards. Yeah, keep an eye out for the Ravers' Choice Post for next time out. It's been wonderful. We've reached the end of another podcast and it's time for us to officially say that we are... Off the Rave. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Tell me something about this voodoo routine. Well, it's as old as human life itself. Based on superstitions, hysteria, hypnosis, and native medicines. You know, I've seen healthy men shrivel up and die because some priest cursed a rag image of them. And I've heard of men going out of their minds because somebody drew a certain symbol in the dirt at their feet. I like the sound of those drums. 
make one hostile mover show too much curiosity about their customs and rituals and they'll kill you.
Hi, uh, this is Mark Archer from Alternate, and you're listening to the On The Rave podcast. Watch your bass bins, I'm telling you. Way.